Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues of interest to media, marketing and advertising. This week I'm in Toronto, Canada, and uh, I'm sitting down and having a chat with someone who I've known for more than a decade, or about a decade, and someone that uh, I've uh, actually founded the Marketing First Forum together, and that is Stefan Argent, who is the president and founder of a consultancy called Listen More. Welcome, Stefan. Thank you. Good to have you here. Well, yes, thank you for having me uh, at your office, I guess, the the nerve centre of Listen More in Toronto and Canada. Indeed. Uh, it's been a terrific week. Fantastic. Um, meeting with uh, a lot of agencies and having a lot of conversations. I have to say one of the things that I found really interesting was that the agencies here in Toronto seem to be having a crisis of confidence. Would you say that's fair or is that an outsider's perspective? Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily a crisis of confidence. I think there's a couple of things that are fueling it. I think one is uh, they've woken up to the uh, threat of consultancies and they're all trying to reinvent themselves. Uh, And the second thing is that Canada, by its very nature, is perhaps not as, well, it isn't, uh, as brazen as some other markets that might be south of our privacy hedge. <laughs> well, it is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, you know, at a much smaller scale, I feel a little bit like Canada's relationship with uh, the US is very similar to something closer to home for me, which is New Zealand's relationship with Australia. You know, you've got a much larger population right on the doorstep for New Zealand. And that there is this sort of uh, tension, but also uh, collaboration that needs to occur. Yeah. Um, the thing that we've got in common with Australia is that we have a huge landmass with cities sort of along the border or along the coast, the, the coastline, yeah. uh, which does one thing. But the, the big difference is that the United States is such a huge economic hub the general rule of thumb, and it is a general rule of thumb, is that a marketing budget in the United States is 10 times the size of one in Canada. And when you get alignment, uh, when you get international alignment, very often uh, some of the uh, international agencies that are being appointed are uh, taking their cues from a US-based marketer. Mm -hmm. So they have to fall into line in order to uh, do the things that they want to do. Because I, what I saw and what I read as a sort of crisis of confidence was that we were specifically seeing agencies around the way they presented their credentials, um, which is essential for any new business development. And what I found was it could be seen as they were humble, but there was also this sense of they weren't quite sure or didn't come across as confident in the offering that they were making? Well, I think there's two things to that. I think the first one that needs to be said is they were very nervous that you'd come in. I think your reputation precedes you. And always when they're sitting in front of a uh, someone who can influence their business, a search consultant, they're probably going to be on their best behavior. And I think it took them a little while uh, to uh, 
to warm up and get comfortable, but that's what they want to do. But I think the other thing is um, agencies in general are somewhat reluctant to be as honest, honest is not the right word, as direct as they would be. They're frightened of losing the business. They're frightened of upsetting the client. They're frightened of saying something that may limit uh, their opportunities. And certainly the greatest thing that I've learned in the 10 years that I've been doing this is you got to have an opinion. You want to stand by that opinion and you want to be clear about what it is that you want to do. And if they don't want to do it and you think that you're right, you have to stand up and you have to fight for that opinion. And I think agencies are far more reluctant to do that because they've got so much writing on it. Well, I see that as a universal problem because uh, many agencies try and be everything to everyone in that they're trying to appeal to every possible marketer that's going to walk through the door or that they have every possible opportunity to pitch their business for. The trouble with that is, and they say it to their own clients, in trying to be everything to everyone, you become nothing to everyone because you end up diluting the very essence and the personality of your business because you're trying not to actually offend anyone so no one actually feels really passionate about you. Oh, I, I think there's probably uh, something to be said for the uh, strength that uh, agencies have. I mean, we saw uh, a lot of agencies this week that have some really strong uh, credentials. They've got really high, um, high marks or high credibility, whether it's in creativity, whether it's in strategy, whether it's in... Uh, experience design, whatever it may be, and they're not leading with those credentials. They're trying, as you say, to be uh, to offer a, a wider variety of services rather than leading with their trump card. I, sorry, I hate that word being a Canadian. I hate the word trump, trump card. Yeah. Trump that goes, trump, anything that trumps that. Um, but they're not leading with their, their real strength, and that's what they need to do. And I think that's particularly important uh, when you consider the consolidation in the market you consider uh, that a number of agencies have been put together um, and they're trying to step around the fact that they're now partners with another agency and then that core message gets diluted. Well, it was interesting as well because we're seeing both local independent agencies or local networks, for instance, and also global networks. And yet what I was surprised about is that even the international networks have given themselves quite rightly a very local sort of personality. You know, they've done very well at making themselves part of this culture. You know, one of the uh, criticisms by some global marketers is that there's so much variation when you look at uh, global networks from market to market. I think part of that variation is sometimes just an interpretation of the way that that uh, branch office has adapted to the local, um, the local marketplace, the local culture, you know, to be part of the, the local community or the, the, the local business community. In that, perhaps some of that Canadianness, and I use my little quoting fingers there, is part of what it means to actually build an agency in this market. Do you think that's true? Uh, yeah, to an extent, because we have some very specific nuances that are important to us. And certainly in the Canadian market, one of the, one of the uh, key drivers is the French-speaking 
uh, community that we have here in Canada. So when you consider communication, everything has, to, for the most part, uh, you have to consider both the English and the French. Well, they're the official dual languages. Yeah, aren't official they? dual languages that you have to deal with. But we also have a very large um, uh, immigrant population, so we have to think about um, uh, the diversity of languages that are important to uh, import to many companies, like the banks, for example. Which, I, funny, I noticed the other day. I was uh, trying to get some money out of the ATM, and the first language that came up was uh, was was Chinese. Uh, so you have to consider that, that there are some very specific language requirements and, and um, considerations that have, to, that have to be put in place as well. But we've also got a very strong uh, culture um, in other areas. If you, you think of uh, the coffee that you like so much, which is uh, Tim Hortons, I've taken Darren to a couple of uh, Tim Hortons quick service restaurants, which are... Um, are ingrained in the culture of, of Canada and also ingrained in things like hockey um, and and other sports activities that are reflected in uh, in donuts or whatever it may be. That's yeah. actually ice hockey, just to be clear, because, you know, it's not hockey played on a grass field. It's hockey played yeah. on a, you know, an ice rink. Yeah, we <laughs> do have quite a lot of ice here during the winter, but we also have... Uh, have uh, uh, arenas with, with ice in it, yes. But just to be clear to everybody who's listening, that maybe listening in uh, Australia, a much warmer country, it is it is hockey. So um, the other thing was, and you mentioned it before, uh, for a market of this size, sitting right next to the behemoth that is the United States, it was really impressive the depth uh, and and breadth of talent that the agencies could put forward. You know, the range, you said that they're perhaps not highlighting their core capabilities, but all of the agencies we met with had a very broad offering and within that they were able to demonstrate quite uh, good depth of capability, which I thought was interesting because sometimes people are inclined to think that smaller markets don't necessarily have that breadth and depth. Yeah, no, we have some specialities here, and one of the one of the things that people may not know is that uh, Toronto certainly is known as Hollywood North, uh, because we have a lot of uh, U.S. production companies that come up here, and uh, in fact, right opposite my office, they're going to be shooting a, a movie next week. Uh, they're they're going to be blocking the street off. They're going to be doing all of that. So we have a lot of production facilities here in Canada uh, that support. Uh, much bigger movie enterprises and and international uh, commercials. So yeah, we do have a lot of uh, we have a ta- we have a lot of talent that comes in not only from other countries but also from the United States, which creates that that depth. That's not to say that Canada doesn't have it have its own depth, but we have to compete in our own right when those uh, when those um, uh, clients aren't internationally aligned. Now, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we uh, we talked to a lot of agencies in the last week about the way they present their credentials. And a lot of the agencies used the term that they're going to tell us their agency story. A storytelling, I think, you know, everyone would agree is a partic- can be a particularly powerful way of communicating. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that th- that was the big eye-opener for me this week. I was... I was really surprised by how many agencies just did not tell a story. 
And what's frustrating about it, that is that agencies are, by their very nature, storytellers. They have a creative teams that tell stories. They have, if you talk to some of the planners in these agencies and talk to them about their latest uh, automotive win or the latest QSR win or whatever it may be, they'll tell you a story about that win. But it's just not being told uh, when it comes to their credentials. They tend to vomit out a series of facts that nobody can remember or that nobody's particularly interested in, rather than telling a story that demonstrate that supports the facts that, that, they, uh, that they're wanted, wanting to communicate. And all you can remember is, well, the person with the uh, striped shirt or the, the, uh, the agency that had the uh, projection failure or the whatever it is, and you, yeah. can't, you, you can't distinguish them. It is funny, isn't it? Because uh, while the agencies, the agency world talks about the importance of storytelling to their clients, when they turn it on themselves, it becomes quite problematic. Because as you point out, you know, most of them were not telling a story. They'd actually start off by saying, well, we want to share with you our agency story. And I'd be sitting there waiting for the start, the middle and the end of the story. And it just wasn't coming. Most times, as you point out, it's a shopping list. You know, it's literally, you know, we have these clients, we have these offices, we have these capabilities, we have this process. You know, it, it was really, I've seen it every agency in every market does it. And yeah. I wonder why, because are they just sticking to a formula? It could be that they're sticking to a formula, but they're so anxious. I mean, it's, it's like... There are clients also that want to tell you about their toys. So if you're if you're dealing with an airline, for example, they want to tell you how many planes they've got. They want to tell you how many destinations they fly. They want to do that. But what they're not talking about is they're not talking about the their story and why it would be interesting to fly on one of their planes and why it would be a why it would be a fun or cheaper or whatever it may be. They're not supporting those those um, those facts and wrapping it in a story. But for the most part, agencies, I, I as I said minute ago, I'm, I'm very surprised that they're not putting their creative teams or their strategic teams front and center in the, uh, in the crafting of those messages. And I wonder whether the, the crafting of those, uh, crafting of the story is being uh, handed off to a business development lead who's obviously concerned about the facts and concerned about the wins and concerned about the awards and the number of resources and the number of offices, uh, rather than oh, and then just not handing it off to someone who can wrap that in a in a story, because that story is is the thing that people are going to take away. But we did when we brought this up with the agencies, we did get from quite a lot of them. But what about the checklist? You know, procurement and marketers will come to the agency with a checklist, and so. You know, their justification for the shopping list was trying to match their shopping list of things to the checklist that the marketer or the procurement person's using. Because, you know, and, and I think you and I have both seen uh, a procurement process which is basically tick the boxes, and if you don't tick all the boxes, you don't go through. Do you think that's part of the problem? Yeah, I think um, I think people get very hung up on the uh, on the RFI or the RFP that comes in, and they want to make sure that they address all of those issues, and that's all well and good. But that that's not really the purpose of a, of a credentials presentation. And and when we asked a couple of agencies what's the purpose of a credentials presentation, they sort of hummed and hard a bit. 
Well, the purpose of a credentials presentation for anyone listening to this that is, is wondering is to get another meeting. It is not to uh, tick the boxes, tick the box, tick the boxes, and create a a sleep inducing list of functions and features. What you do is you make sure that you've addressed all of the questions that have been asked, particularly by procurement, and whether there's five of them or fifty of them, you want to make sure that you address them all, but put them in the leave behind. Uh, put them in the deck that you leave behind and then they can check the boxes and make sure that they've got everything done afterwards. But in the presentation, you want to be focused on the story and supporting that story uh, with, with, the, with, the, with the facts. Now, you had a really good point because uh, you just mentioned the leave behind, the deck. You know, um, And in actual fact, you recommended that the agencies not actually print out the big deck. And, and the reason I say that is because I remember my own experience doing new business. I had a managing director who used to pick up the pitch deck and, and just feel the weight of it and go, oh, yes, that feels substantial as if that was somehow measure of quality. But what, what was the uh, recommendation that you made to agencies? Because I thought it was a really good insight. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a couple of things around that. Uh, the first is that, that, generally speaking, you don't want to print out a deck because it's not particularly environmentally friendly. Um, the other reason for not printing out a deck is if they're going to another credentials presentation, you don't want them to carry your credentials presentation into the next into the next agency meeting. And God forbid they leave that thing behind inadvertently, then you, your competitive agency's got all your intelligence. So you want to try and avoid that. Um, what's happened now is that the agencies are uh, putting their um, credentials on a USB stick. Well, that's all well and good, but not about you, but the new Mac laptop that I have doesn't doesn't no, doesn't take a USB doesn't take, doesn't take a USB, and I've got to have a dongle to put the thing in, and da, 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 da. and again, there is a risk of that thing left, being left behind. And also, a lot of client organisations have an IT department that refuses to allow them to plug in a USB for security reasons. Oh yeah, and then if it's password protected and the password's wrong, it's it's it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So what I recommend to to clients. Uh, um, or and to agencies is that the the uh, credentials are put in a link, and you make that link uh, accessible. You can password protect it if you want, uh, but that way then it can be viewed. Uh, then it can be viewed online by anybody who actually wants to look at it. Uh, but the sneaky trick here is that if you're asked a question in the presentation and you go, "Oh my God, we didn't cover that off, or we didn't think about it." Or that's a really good point. We should have added X. The chances are you're going to be able to go in and retrofit that afterwards to make sure that you've answered the question. Um, and uh, and I think that's a much better way to address the credentials because it's probably a fair question that you may not have thought of, but you can actually answer it or you have a good answer for it. Go ahead and add it in, and that's a way to do it. And I think. Uh, if you're if you're really smart about it, you can also go in and look at IP addresses and actually see who's looked at the uh, how much time on page, yes, uh, exactly how many times they came back to it. Look, and all of those are, are really great ideas, but I, it's interesting because I don't see a lot of that use of technology being embraced. You know, agencies are inclined to default to doing the deck because it's evidence of industry. Or they'll, you know, technology will be the USB, and I've, 
I've got a huge collection, and I'm sure you do too, of all the agency stamps, printed USBs of all the amazing shapes, colours and sizes that they've handed out. But uh, that link idea is uh, is a terrific one. Yeah, a link is a much, much friendlier way to go, and it gives you a little bit of elbow room in case there's a, in case there's a, a, a crisis at the end of it. But I think the really important thing here is you also want to make sure that you do not leave something behind uh, or something doesn't get left behind with all your secret intelligence in it, because that to me is the big risk that you want to avoid. Well, uh, actually, with sending written credentials, which is quite different to um, the credentials pitch itself, as you pointed out, uh, one of the mistakes, and, and I found this was a classic, was that uh, we were running a number of pitches and a couple of agencies were on more than one of them for various reasons. And in fact, the documents would turn up as PDFs, not printed, but the uh, they would have mixed up the uh, client name because they'd done a search and replace but hadn't picked up every version of it. Yeah, Agencies, please don't underestimate the power and importance of proofreading because we've seen some absolute classics. We've actually seen it where we've seen, yes, we've seen the the, uh, the client brand completely different. We're talking about one car company and suddenly you get, you, you're you reading something about a uh, chocolate manufacturer and it makes absolutely no sense, no sense at, all. at all. And it's, uh, and it's, and it's glaringly obvious there's been a cut in the, a cut and paste and it's very difficult to recover from that it is very difficult but uh in fact it's interesting and and again this week you shared with another number of agencies that when things go wrong it's actually an opportunity to develop a rapport with the client how do you do that yeah so one of the things that you need to think about when you're doing your your presentation whether it's 30 minutes or an hour you should allow 15 minutes or you should allow 50% of the time to uh, to be presenting your credentials and having the dialogue around your credentials. And the, the remaining 50% is around your uh, is around having a discussion with the client and building up a, a, a rapport with the yeah. client. What you don't want to do is you don't want to have an hour-long meeting and you you rattle on for 55 minutes about your capabilities and you leave five minutes at the end and that doesn't allow you to either build up a rapport or to build up any intelligence on what the client is trying to do or why they're trying to do it or why they want to see you. But I was uh, referring more to when something goes wrong. You know, you're five minutes into your uh, 30 minutes and the uh, TV set doesn't connect anymore yeah. or the uh, fonts of all... Uh, distorted or all the videos that uh, you have in your presentation uh, when you play them there's no audio uh, what what uh, is the opportunity there yeah so in because you've actually seen someone do this particularly well uh, we did we, we there was a CEO of uh, one agency who was making a presentation and just as she was getting going she broke the uh, the heel on a very high on a very high heel on a shoe, and she had to do a present had to do a presentation in a stocking feet. In addition to which, there was then a power failure, which knocked out both the uh, knocked out both the pro- projector and her laptop. So the presentation was essentially uh, essentially not there. Uh, 
it does it, that actually did two things one is it showed the client how to recover from a difficult situation because most agencies are on their best behavior everything works seamlessly and everything's very slick and the coffee's wonderful and the, the pastries are wonderful and everybody's sitting up and behaving well uh, but that doesn't always happen uh, but what it does do it allows you to close the laptop and say you know what we've uh, we got a technical problem here let's have a conversation about your business and let's let's why don't you we just tell you who we are because that's going to be an authentic conversation uh it is going to be wrapped in a story and you're then going to be have be able to have a conversation about their business and it's going to be a much better discussion and i stress the word discussion rather than a one-way presentation and you'll probably have a much better meeting as indeed this client did so that's one of the key things, isn't it, about uh, credentials presentations or meetings, uh, is that it's about building trust. You know, when you, the, the client has walked into the agency and they may know a little about the facts of the agency or the reputation of the agency, but this is a real opportunity to start to build trust. And we know from uh, the you know, the academic and, and uh, medical research or the, the, the sort of behavioural economic research, that the three key points of trust are uh, authenticity, you know, because people can pick up when you're not being yourself. Uh, the other is talking to the logic of the listener, so talking to the things that they know and feel. And then the third one is about uh, have, uh, demonstrating empathy, and so that's, you know, really being able to show that you're there for them, not there for yourself. Now, how many times did we see in the presentations this week people actually able to do those things? And without naming names, because right, that no, would be unfair. No, but, we don't want to name names. But I, I have to say that I think we both caught each other rolling our eyes when, uh, when process slides went up, for example. Uh, in fact, you may have been snoring when that, when that happened. Uh, fake snoring. Yeah, well, yeah, fake snoring. But uh, the point is, nobody's, first of all, nobody's interested in a process slide or nobody's particularly interested in a, in a process slide. They're incredibly boring. But there's no way to build up empathy with, with that. You, you very rarely see clients begin to nod or they want to ask a specific question around it. There really is nowhere to go when you do that. And the, the, the key to building empathy empathy is to be is to is to see the body language, to see the nodding, or to see them say, yes, I'm a, and in our experience, X, Y, or Z, and you start to have a discussion, and that's how the the empathy and the trust builds up. Yeah. But but in pure in pure when you're presenting nothing but facts, there's no way to go. It's okay, you've got five offices across the country. Okay, I don't know how to deal with that other than say thank you very much. Yeah, and and that is the problem, isn't it? Because I think uh, marketing, advertising, media has become so focused on facts and numbers and statistics and data that uh, perhaps do you think the agencies have lost sight of the very core and reason for uh, their existence, which is the art of persuasion? Yeah, they do tend. We've got a lot of data that's float that's floating around now, and everyone's got access to some data source. And particularly in media companies, they're going to have their own unique proprietary data source, and they can uh, uh, they they can share that. Um, 
But ultimately, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to talk to humans to make humans do something. So we need to make sure that there is the uh, there are the insights and the creativity that goes with that in order to demonstrate uh, to the consumer that the, the communication is actually meaningful. No, well, and, and I agree with you because I think uh, the, the proof has become more important sometimes to the agency and, and yet it's actually less important to the client. Um, there's a great book which is called, uh, the title is Pitch Anything by Lauren Claff, which I absolutely recommend to anyone to read if you're into the business of pitching. And what he says is that the actual presentation should keep the audience in the sort of primitive reptilian mode of answering what's what's in it for me and does this put me at any risk? And that as soon as you put them into frontal lobe mode, which is analysing, then you'll never actually get a decision. Because what he's saying is that as human beings, we're attracted to people that we want to work with. That it's a, and you hear this a lot from um, investors in, uh, in startups that often they'll invest not in the idea, but in the people that had the idea, because it's the people that are actually going to make it happen or not. And so, you know, perhaps uh, getting back to the idea that we can put all of that data all of that information, all of that analysis and insights into a document or into a readable form where you will be in frontal mode form of reading and analysing it. But in the pitch, avoid it like the plague. What do you think? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, the only reason I bring it up is that Every time I see, for instance, media people put up a lot of data on the screen, and you actually pulled this up, you know, there was not even media agencies, creative agencies that had slides on the screen with so much information. First of all, you couldn't see it. I could because I've got... Uh, That's right. I was, I was sit sitting I was at sit the front. I was sitting at the back and I couldn't actually see it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, but it's not just in the presentation. What really bugs me is in uh, when you go to an agency website mm -hmm. and you're just trying to, from a, from a search perspective, we're just trying to figure out uh, how many resources that the agency has, whether there's a client conflict, who owns them, just to get the big picture facts so that we can rule them in or rule them out. And you're bombarded either with some creative right off the bat that is not relevant to what you're looking for, uh, or you can't actually find what you're looking for because the navigation is so bad. And that sends warning signals that the agency just doesn't know how to communicate. And maybe it's not just their own uh, uh, credentials, but it's also the the uh, uh, client's information well, as well. There's a lack of empathy, isn't there? Yeah. Because they're not actually thinking about the people using the site and what they're using it for. Yeah. Look, uh, and they do need to... They do need to have creative websites. Obviously, they want to attract the best talent, and I understand why they do, uh, why they put creative front and center. But they really need to think through who's looking at the site and why they're looking at the site, and make sure that the that the options for that are there. But that's very different from the the presentation when you've got the when you've got the client in the room. They're already over the first hurdle. You've managed to get them in the room. You, they've got a sense of who you are. 
Now they want to get into now they want to get into something that is compelling, and you want them nodding as quickly as possible and creating a dialogue as quickly as possible, so that they're going to come back for that all important second meeting, or to give you the business, or to give you more information, or to add more people into the next meeting. One of the uh, and and you've already mentioned it, but one of the interesting things for me was how when we talked about credentials presentations. The, the agencies went straight to the pitch process. And yet there's so many other opportunities for an agency to have a really powerful agency story to actually win business outside of pitches. Um, would you agree with that, that agencies should be? I know we're both uh, seen as pitch consultants, but uh, agencies should be trying to win business without having to pitch for it all the time. Oh, totally. and. And you can have a new business conversation in an elevator ride. And that can be a 30-second elevator ride. Oh, uh, who do you work for? Oh, I work for such and such an advertising agency. Oh, why are they, uh, why are they a great agency? And you want to have that down-packed so that you can communicate that in 30, second, 30 seconds. And hopefully you can get whoever you're talking to, you can get the business card. And they say, I'd like to come in and I'd like, I'd like to talk to you because that's a compelling story. For us, uh, when I'm asked what we do, it's a little bit difficult for people who don't always understand what a pitch consultant does, and actually pitch consulting is only part of our business. Very simply, I say I'm a corporate psychiatrist because we help marketers solve problems. That tends to get people interesting and that interested, and then we can, uh, we can hand up a business card, we can change exchange details, and bingo, we can get into it. I don't want to bombard them with information. Well, we've got offices in different countries and we do this, that, and the next thing. And yes, but if you've got this problem, then we can do that. It, it's, it's too much and nobody's going to remember it. I'd yeah. be remembered as the, uh, as the person who couldn't get the story straight and somebody who was uh, a bit muddled in their, in, in their offering. No, that's, uh, that's quite a good pitch. But do you have your own couch that you carry around? Absolutely not. Okay. So there's no couch? No couch. No, um, well... We've been, uh, when we started, it was uh, P3, helping people achieve commercial purpose through creative process. And then it became Trinity P3. But most of the pitch conversations or, or credentials conversations we have these days are more about that marketing is such an incredibly powerful discipline for any organisation. But there are so many challenges that stop it achieving that power and so we've identified six of them that we help overcome, and that's our pitch. It's not quite as uh, sharp as yours, but I think because, you know, having 20 years now of working and, uh, you know, you and I met when you started 10 years ago. That's right. Um, and also I find because working on a global basis now that there are so many more challenges that are arising all the time for marketers. It's great to, uh, to actually get to work together again and, uh, and spend this week uh, talking to the agencies of Toronto. Hopefully we'll get to uh, do it again and uh, talk to some more agencies. It's been fantastic. Uh, it's been fantastic having you here. Um, the last answer that I gave about ha not having a couch with me uh, is absolutely true. What I do have with me, what I do carry with me, is I carry a business card, which I think you've seen, and you think you know they're actually worth a dollar each. So I don't like to hand those out unless I've had a meaningful conversation and I know 
that that person is likely to call me. So my dollar business, my, my, my business card, each of which costs a dollar, uh, is something that's very important to that's me. That's your and investment. That is my investment. You invest a dollar in people that do. you think will uh, come and use your services. Hey, look, it's been great chatting. We've run out of time. But uh, before we go, I've got, uh, I've got one last uh, question for you. And I get asked this all the time so I'm, as a pitch consultant. So I'm going to ask you. And that is, uh, who's your favourite agency at the moment? Thank <music> you.